leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty alongside Anthony Brown. I am Garrett Bouguet. Thank you so much for listening. On this episode, we have a very special uh, topic for you today, uh, and it's going to be our top 25 players of all time list. Now, uh, Anthony and I both did our list separately, and we have not seen each other's lists. So this is very exciting because uh, there's going to be some, you know, you're going to get to see our initial reaction to each other's list, you know, a lot of gasping, a lot Probably. of moving and eyeing going on. <laughs> um, but, uh, new Bull? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's number fourteen. Um, <laughs> but uh, spoilers. But yeah, so so we're gonna start at number twenty-five, and uh, um, I, I guess I'll just uh, I'll just get us going. And okay. uh, with my number twenty-five, uh, I've got Rick Barry. Okay, Rick Barry is my number twenty-five now. As we go, like you could mention if he's on your list or if he's higher or lower or you know he's, all of that sort of thing. He's on my list, okay. but uh, he's actually right around in that that same area. Okay. Um, uh, my twenty fifth is uh, Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen. Actually. Okay. Um, and so I have Scotty a little bit higher. Yeah, uh, and I'm surprised by that from you because, because of how of much bulls. you love and you love the Bulls and. I, I think in particular, for, for me, like, um, I, I had to make a few decisions with some of the people on the list in terms of, I mean, Scotty's overall game was amazing. Yeah. I, I would argue that Rick Barry's offensive game was a little bit more. And my thinking was that since Rick Barry was the main guy on his team, as, you know, kind of that main leader guy, and Scotty Pippen was kind of the backup, that kind of moved him a few spots back. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I ended up with Scotty Pippen at the twenty fifth. No, that that's definitely fair. I mean, if you're if you're just saying offensively, I think Rick Barry is a superior player, right? But to Scotty Pippen, um, you know, and overall, I, you're saying. Uh, but you know, and and yes, Rick Barry led a team as the team's best player to a championship. I think Scotty Pippen was, you know, maybe couldn't have done that. You know, right. I think that was a question mark. Uh, you know, the year that. He was basically in his prime without Michael and a pretty good supporting cast. He nearly made the conference finals, and that Knicks team that beat them, right. uh, you know, was one game away from winning the, the whole thing. So I think Scotty was pretty close For sure. to that level of being a potential top guy on a championship team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I think the the reason I have him slightly above uh, Rick Barry is, you know. I think he just, uh, you know, defensively is so much superior. Right. Um, I'll pull the race card here, but Rick Barry was, a, a you know, a, a typical <laughs> white guy in terms of his athleticism. He, you know, he had good size. Yeah. And his skill level right. was, uh, <laughs> you right. know, was, was very high. Yep. Um, but Pippen, with his length and athleticism, his defense was just on a completely different level. Yeah. I see that. Um, okay, so... So uh, I have Rick Barry. You've got Scotty at twenty-five. All right, let's uh, let's hear your number twenty-four. My twenty-four is actually Rick Barry. Oh, okay. So, like I said, it's right in that same range. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's your twenty twenty-four. So I have. Um, this might be a, a bit surprising. I have um, Elgin Baylor at twenty-four. At twenty-four. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. 
Now, where is is Elgin Baylor on your list? Yes. Is he a lot higher? He is same range. He's higher. Um, Elgin's kind of in the middle of my list here. Okay. Um, I will say though, the toughest part of this list was trying to make decisions about some of the classic, you know, players. Mm -hmm. um, there are people that are usually on lists like this that I that are not on my list. So, yeah, like that I just straight up cut. So I overall tried to make it, you know, the greatest. You know, I tried to keep like their accolades into it, but also like tried to be a little more realistic as of all time. If I threw them in today's game, how would they do? Right. Have, and well, and I think yeah. that's you know that factor bodes well for Elgin Baylor. Right. You know, he was a guy that you know and. I don't think either of us has watched a lot of Elgin. I certainly haven't. I don't think um, there's a lot of <laughs> games available, unfortunately. Right. Um, you 60s. know, so I'm basing a lot of this on what I've heard or whatever. But um, you know, he came off to me as a guy that was a really good slasher, but exactly. a very good athlete for his time. Definitely a guy that, yes, if you transported him to today's game, could keep up with the athletes of today. Definitely. Um, and in terms of, of finishing, uh, from what I've heard, he is the um, the precursor to like a Dr. J in terms mm. of the finger rolls, the reverses, all he, he was like the first, you know, perimeter player to take the game vertical. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Interesting. Uh, 24. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I guess a couple of my reasons for why he might be a little bit lower on my yeah. list as opposed to, well, for one, you know, and this may be unfair, but he didn't have the team success of guys like Bill Russell and even, um, you know, Jerry West, who had a long enough career that he was able to end up winning championships in the 70s, whereas Elgin Baylor, you know, his career was a little bit shorter. I think he had some injuries that, that cut it short. Right. So he might be a guy that if, if, if this was just purely a, um, you know, a question about a guy's prime, he might be a little bit higher. Right. Uh, but, you know, the fact that he didn't have a super long career, I think, you know, puts him down a peg or two for me. Totally. Uh, so okay, so let's go to number twenty-three for you. Who do you have there? Uh, and this was part of the last-second changes that I was making <laughs> yeah. right before. Um, I actually have um, Kevin Durant at twenty-three. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, just in terms of, and, and he's been a hard person to place because in terms of uh, skill level and athleticism, as tall as he is, to be able to shoot like he is, and I, I hope people still remember the MVP, you know, seasons that 2014, he's had. yeah. Yeah, and, and how amazing he's been on the offensive end and defensively, you know, with Russell Westbrook when he was, you know, leading that team and everything. He's a really, really good player. Right. Um, it's hard for me to move him up any higher on that list, and I get that he's still playing, but, like, um, that whole decision to go to Golden State kind of knocks him down a few pegs just in terms of competitiveness for me yeah um you know because people could argue that kevin's even better than he was back in okc but it's hard to tell when you've got steph curry and thompson on your team right um who do you have at 23 and what are your thoughts on on durant okay so durant was in my honorable mentions these okay. guys i was thinking about but for me just yeah it's too early okay. um you know he's he's had Already what would be a great career, you know, he's been, um, I think, a four or five time scoring champion, he's won an MVP, he's won a NBA right. Finals MVP, he's a champion, but as you said, he's a champion on a team that was already a champion, you know, so right. how much credit do you actually give that? We've talked in the past about, you know, how we don't just like to look at everything as just black or white, we like totally. to put a perspective on it, and that championship doesn't mean as much to me. Uh, as like, you know, for instance, Dirk Nowitzki's championship, he won, totally. um, you know, staying on the same team he'd been on from where he was drafted and right. winning with a team without other all-star players. Right. Um, but certainly I think when his career is all said and done, he's going to be in that 10 to 15 range, in my opinion, if Probably. he continues this. Yeah. Uh, I just don't have him in the top 25 yet because yeah. of the fact that yeah, it just his career is, um, you know, if, if his career ended today, he's what, I think 29, so he's been in the league for about nine seasons. Okay. Um, so he's not even quite to the length of, like, the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird's career yet. Right, right. Um, so that that would be my reasoning for why I don't, why totally I don't fair. have him. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, you asked me what my number 23 was, and this might be, uh, um, you might be surprised at how low this player is on my list, but I have Jerry West at 23. I am surprised at that. Um, Okay. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so, for one, we know he was a great shooter, obviously, he's the logo. Right. Um, You know, so, you know, he he had a great career... In the 60s, you know, bring the Lakers to a bunch of NBA Finals and losing yep. to the Celtics. And then, you know, even into the early 70s, winning with, uh, you know, with Wilt and that yep. Gail Goodrich 72 Lakers team. Super clutch player. Uh, that. Exactly. Yeah, um, my biggest concern is, you know, we talked about earlier with Elgin and how he would translate really well to today's NBA. Yeah. I don't know how well Jerry West would. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of talk about how Jerry West had zero left hand whatsoever. <laughs> you know, right. he couldn't dribble, he couldn't finish with his left hand at all, and that's a serious problem. And I'll bring that up as well with Doctor J. You know, hmm. he's in my list, but he's probably a little bit lower on my list than maybe even yours as well for okay. some of those reasons. You know, the skill level I don't think is quite as high, even though Jerry West was a really good shooter. I think part of the reason you know he was so effective is because in that time. I think even, you know, you say, oh, he'd, he'd be even better if with a three-point line. I don't know if that's necessarily true, hmm. because back when he played, you know, teams were so focused on protecting the rim because right. shots from the rim and shots from 30 feet away were the same value. Exactly. The teams basically conceded a lot of those, like, an 18-footer even. They would just they concede back off on a pretty yeah. consistent basis. Um, And, you know, he's also playing in a time period in the NBA where, you know, you talk about Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain were the dominant centers. There wasn't a lot of competition, you know, at those positions. There wasn't a ton of size in the league. So being able to get to the rim and finish was a lot easier back then than I think it is now. Hmm. uh, Where, you know, Jerry West getting a a lot of his scoring numbers, I think, was because... You know, he could finish over, you know, smaller, less athletic big men, and uh, that he could walk into jump shots. I, uh, I definitely agree with the jump shot part uh, in that, I mean, I still think he's got one of the best pull-up jumpers that I've ever seen because, I mean, he's just super quick with it and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think he'd be able to get that quick release off, even though in today's NBA we don't usually think of that as a good shot, you know, his main thing is, is mid-range, but yeah. we look at people like, you know, Jordan or even a DeMar DeRozan where, you know, they live on that mid-range shot. Um, I don't know, I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking of, you know, like, the even though they're not super tall, the Willis Reeds of, of the day or the Nate Thurmans. And, I'm know, not saying there weren't any, no more, you know, yeah. there, there certainly were a lot of, you know, there, there were a decent amount, but, yeah. you know, you look at today's NBA... Every team has a seven footer. Every team has, you know, you know, the average height in the NBA is now around six eight. Yeah. Uh, whereas back then, I think it was significant, a couple okay. inches, if not even more, totally shorter. Um, so yes, there are those guys. You know, in certain games, that would be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe in those games, he would rely a little bit more on that pull up jumper as opposed to, uh, you know, right. against the teams without a real. You know, okay. actual center. He could he could finish around the basket, but certainly I, I really like Jerry West. Obviously, you know, the yeah. fact that he's on my top twenty-five right. at all means I really respect what he was able to accomplish. Totally. And you know, I, I I've got guys like Rick Barry and Elgin Baylor. Uh, you know, um, below him, and uh, I kind of look at this range as guys that didn't have as a super long career and were kind of borderline number one guys on championship teams. Right. Is kind of where I've sort of, uh, you know, if I if I would section off my list into different categories, that's kind of where I'm at here near the bottom. That makes sense, yeah. I, I mean, I will say Jerry West was a hard person to place for me because if, uh, I mean, I think Bill Simmons has him at like... He has him pretty high. He has him at nine. Yes. Now this that was made in like 2009, mm-hmm. um, and I think LeBron was only ranked 20 something at that time. Right. Um, but which is another reason why I think this is fun to do is right. because we've had an opportunity, an extra eight years to, um, you know, include a co- you know you just included Kevin Durant, you know, right. in t- 2009, no one would have included Kevin Durant <laughs> right. into this list. So it, it's neat to be able to do that. And yes, I, 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 we should mention that. Yeah, Bill Simmons in his book of basketball, he did a basketball pyramid, yep. essentially charting. I think it was what the top ninety six players so. that he he had seen in the NBA of all time. 
Um, so yeah, that's what you're you're referencing when you mention that. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, Jerry West, um, amazing player. I mean, that's why these lists are so interesting and so difficult is because you know Jerry West was, you know, kind of the the Michael Jordan of that time in terms of the best. Well, Oscar too, but like the best perimeter scorer and leader of his team, leading you know the league. I, I don't, can't remember if he led the league in scoring, but I think he did. Yeah, yeah. I know in the, that one NBA Finals, he um, had the record until Jordan broke it mm-hmm. for final scoring per game. So well, yeah, he won the MVP of that Finals despite being on a losing team. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, okay, okay, so who who's next on your list then, and what what number are we at? We had twenty two. Twenty two. I've okay. got Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, okay. Yes. So he's on my list, but he's a little higher. A little on my higher, list. Yes. okay. Um, you've watched more, I think, prime Kevin Garnett mm-hmm. compared to me. Um, I I watched him a little bit. I knew of him when he was, you know, that, that young athletic freak, but still able to shoot and, you know, amazing on defense, really good passer and all that. Right. Um, I watched him more on the Celtics, you know, later on. When, you know, I get he was kind of taken, uh, he was older and he was taking a back seat maybe a little bit um, to facilitate Pierce and Allen, but um, a great player, yeah. Uh, what, what do you, um, what do you think about 22? You, you think that's a little low for... Um, well, it'll be interesting to see what other power forwards you have above him because yeah. I have him above some other notable power forwards that I think you haven't mentioned yet mm. um, because but. of that. And again, the same reason I think I have Scottie Pippen a little higher on my list is that I think I, I very much value that two-way play okay. of being able to you know not only be uh, a number one option on offense but also to be that defensive anchor Okay. And really build a great defense around this specific player. And Kevin Garnett was, you know, a defensive savant and <laughs> the guy that, uh, you know, was was great at communication, letting right. guys know where they need to be. Uh, you know, he could rim protect. He could also right. move his feet on the perimeter. I think, uh, you know, early in his career with Minnesota, uh, it was. I think he was, uh, you know, born about ten years too soon because mm. I think. If yeah. he played now, oh, he would man. be used as a center as opposed to a power forward right. because he can do you know, the two things you need from a big man, which is protect the rim and move your feet on the perimeter. He could do both at a really high level. Right. Uh, and those early teams that he played on with Minnesota, they would always put him with you know this seven foot burly center like Irvin Johnson, <laughs> I think, was, right. was the center with him for a while. Uh, and even with the Celtics, they had Kendrick Perkins next to him. Right. So, um, you know, and, and that just hurts your offense, you know. Right, you Whereas could it, have someone to spread the floor. and Exactly, yeah. and Kevin Carnett can still do all the things you need out of your defensive center. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a little bit higher on Kevin Carnett, okay. but, uh, but, yeah, it's good to see that he's, he's in your top 25. He, totally. he was a great player. Um, so, yeah, for 22 for me is where I have Scotty. Okay. I've Scotty Pippen at gotcha. 22. Um, you know, again, a guy that really good on both ends of the floor. Uh, you know, probably one of the worst offensive players on on this list that I have. Interesting. Uh, you yeah, know, he's he was a versatile offensive totally. player, but I don't think he was really great at uh, at too many things on the offensive end. He he was very he was very good at pretty much every aspect of the game. Yeah. Um, elite on defense, but I don't think he was elite at anything on the offensive end. I think you're right. right. I think he the the years where Jordan was in baseball I'm pretty sure he only scored like maybe 24 25 mm-hmm. points a game something like that yeah um you know really it was a good passer but um yeah I, I'm not mad at that um you know and again I had him I had him ranked lower and the Bulls are my favorite team of all time yeah so uh <laughs> um but yeah would you say best perimeter defender he gets thrown in that conversation sometimes I yeah, still like I mean the Gary Paytons and Jordans of the world maybe a little more. Yeah, you gotta love Pippen's versatility though. You know, right. with his size at six eight with the long arms, you know he could defend one through four really. Um, you know, <laughs> but you could say Jordan could probably do that as well. Right. Uh, but yeah, he's he's definitely in that conversation as greatest wing stoppers of all time, and even a guy like. Kawhi Leonard, I think, is right. now in that discussion, uh, and you know, if he continues at this level, he'll probably go down as maybe the greatest perimeter defender ever. He's the only guy I think in in today's game that actually makes LeBron sweat. 
yeah. at all on the offensive end. LeBron against anybody <laughs> else is you know pretty much like you know I can I can get forty on this guy. Right. But Kawhi's the one guy. He's like uh, you know this might be tough. Right. <laughs> he's and he's on my list in terms of like kind of future additions. Yeah. yeah. Honorable mentions. Like it. I think it's just a matter of time before mm-hmm. he's on this list for me. Right. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll I'll state my number twenty one. Sounds good. Um, I've got Isaiah Thomas. Okay, twenty one. Around the same point for me, I have him a few spots higher. Okay, but yeah, Isaiah Thomas, Detroit um, Pistons. And I guess uh, you know, again, if we're looking at just prime, uh, he would be a little bit higher. But right. his career was a little bit cut short with injuries and that sort of thing. Right. He really only um, you know played from the early 80s till the the early 90s mm-hmm. and he was kind of you know i think he was out of the league by about 93 or 94 if i remember correctly i think so um, yeah so uh you know i think the 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 lack of that um you know super long career i think hurts him but in terms of being a leader being good on both ends of the floor again i really uh, you know appreciate that yeah. uh, and you know he was i think he's one of the most uh, underrated offensive players in the history of the game. I, I totally agree. I mean, a point guard, especially at that time, a point guard was asked to be the, the floor general and facilitate and make everyone else, you know, uh, get make sure that they all get their shots. Not saying that the point guards of today don't do that, but I think point guards of today are given free reign. You know, they're the best ball handlers on the floor, sometimes the best scorers on their team, and mm-hmm. they're like, Westbrook, just go. Just, yeah. just score. Um, I think if Isaiah played today and was allowed that free reign to just, you know, fill it up and when they double team pass it off, he would be scoring a lot more. Well and he did that in the early to mid eighties before this the Pistons truly became a contender, you know, yeah. when he had to more like carry a, a, a sort of lackluster supporting cast. Uh, yeah. he, you know, he was more than capable of putting up 40. Exactly. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, you talk about the skill level. He was never a great three-point shooter. Right. Um, but in terms of his ball handling, his passing, his he was a really good athlete as well. Uh, and, you know, he had a pretty decent mid-range jumper. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he was uh, a really skilled and talented offensive player. Yeah. Uh, and and again, you know, they talk about the defense as well. He was a guy that was super feisty. Uh, you know, um, you know, was was a, a bit smaller. You know, that probably hurt him a little bit on the defensive end. But certainly, he had a big heart and he played above his his normal height. Oh, for sure. Uh, okay, so so um, so who do you have then at uh, at number twenty one? At at number twenty one, I've got Dirk Nowitzki. Okay, and I knowing you, my guess is he is. A, a, quite a bit higher yes. on your list because yep. I know he's one of your favorites. Right. Um, Dirk, uh, a, another player that I haven't, I mean, most of these players I probably haven't watched as much as you. Well, um, let me let me just mention too that yeah. yeah, you know, we we talk about how you you've watched a ton of the older you know NBA, not as right. much of the current. It's it's interesting to me that you have both Dirk and KG below. I'm assuming below. Like Carl Malone exactly. and Charles Barkley, whereas I actually have them above. Have flipped, yeah. Um, but yeah, but go on. Oh yeah, Dirk. I mean, amazing, uh, amazing, amazing player. His just the skill set to be able to shoot like that at that height. Um, it's obviously like very hard to stop, and he ended up winning that championship against. You know, uh, I, I think they were outmatched against that Heat team. Um, you know, um, great player. What What do you think though, in terms of so Dirk, I mean, the I'll probably get we'll, into we'll this get more into that when, later, yeah. when when we we uh, bring him up. But yeah, certainly I, I agree with all of that. Um, the the winning a championship in 2011 again against probably a better team, totally uh, in Miami uh, with again no other All Star supporting players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just that has so much value to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, same in like Hakeem Olajuwon. Who again is yeah. a guy we'll both get to oh, yeah. later on in our list. I value like what he did in the mid nineties, winning with you know guys like Sam Cassell and Robert Ory right. and you know Kenny Smith. Like they're decent players, players yeah. but they're all role players for sure. And uh, so I, I value that quite a lot. But yeah, Dirk, uh, I'm glad he's at least uh, he's he's on there. Totally, yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> so um, now we're down to number twenty. Okay, so uh, my number twenty is Charles Barkley. Hmm. Okay. And yeah. 
Charles, of course, again, you know, I've mentioned this multiple times. If we're just talking prime, Charles Barkley in 93, you know, is probably one of the top ten seasons yeah. in NBA history. You know, he's he was just terrific. Uh, but, you know, I look at the, the length of Charles's career as kind of a, as a thing that knocks him down. Hmm. You know, he was, I think he was drafted in 84 or 85, was, you know, pretty good right away. Really came into his own in the late 80s, early 90s on those um, Philadelphia teams. And then yeah. was traded to Phoenix, had two or three really good seasons on Phoenix, and then, you know, kind of, uh, you know, was, was a role player on those Houston teams the last couple of years, Very and then true. was really out of the league. So he didn't have a, a super extended prime. I would say probably from about 88 to 93 would be where I would say he was yeah. at his peak. Yeah. Um, but that was really all it was. And maybe 94, he was still really good. Um before he had a couple of injuries, but right, uh, but certainly a guy, you know, one of the best rebounders in NBA history. Totally, uh, you know, young Charles was just an absolute terror in transition. <laughs> uh, yep. You know, he could handle the ball well for a power forward. Yeah, um, you know, another thing that uh, you know knocks him down a peg is hmm. his three point shooting. He took right. a ton of threes, even though he was terrible. He was in the, <laughs> the uh, you know, below thirty percent from three. He he could have uh, definitely benefited from this era of analytics, you know, like having coaches say, I don't know if he would have listened knowing Charles, but, you know, coaches say, Charles, you're terrible at the three. <laughs> Just don't shoot him. Yeah. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have helped him a lot. I right. Think. Or at least especially take out those what the, the analytics have told us are is the worst shot, which is that, you know, a step inside the three-point line, right. those shots, which he took plenty of those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, uh and it's interesting. I have Isaiah and Charles back to back. I think both of them could have done, uh, you know, been a lot higher on this list if they mm-hmm. had taken threes out of their game entirely. Totally. Uh, but but yeah, Charles. I certainly, you know, he's one of my favorite players. If this was just a list of favorite players to watch, he'd also be totally. a lot higher. Uh, but uh, you know, his defense was was pretty weak. I would say below average. He wasn't a rim protector. Right. Uh, he didn't move his feet extremely well. He yeah. never stayed in great shape throughout <laughs> his career. He, he fluctuated a lot. Yes. You go from like, oh yeah, he, he lost a lot of weight this season to like, never mind. Yeah, but um, certainly as a talent, as an athlete, as you know, um, as a as a post player, that you know, he's one of the greatest that's ever played. Yeah, and undersized too. I mean, it's incredible what yeah. he was able to do. Okay, so now let's uh, let's hear what you have for uh, for your number twenty. My number twenty is uh, Dwayne Wade. Okay, actually. Um, and again, he's I, on my list a little bit higher, a little bit higher. Um, and I know you've, you've watched pretty extensively, you know, that series with the heat versus the Mavericks where, you know, Dwayne Wade, you know, completely takes over in a yeah. very Jordan-esque fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also possibly gets the aid of, of the refs a little bit. And not of possibly the, he did <laughs> the parade to <laughs> yeah. the, the foul line. Um, but, um, still incredible. And in terms of shooting guards, um, you know, I, I was going through the list there um, for me um, to help me with my list. I made a list of my top ten at point guard position, shooting yeah. guards. Yeah, at every position, I had him at, I guess fourth actually, top shooting guards, and I included Behind, Jerry West yeah. as a, a as a. Uh, Whereas guard. I have him third, right, uh, above West, right, and for anyone wondering, it's Michael Jordan at the number one, Kobe at the two. Mm-hmm. And then Dwayne Wade, because um, in terms of block shots, I mean, he's arguably the greatest shooting guard shot blocker. You yeah. know? I think Jordan's the only one that's even in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, incredible players in his prime, too. I mean, we're seeing an older, slower Dwayne Wade now. Right. As, you know, kind of more of a role player. I think maybe people forget just how good he was. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah, he again, another great two-way player, especially in his prime. He was really good defensively. I think he's six four with like a six eleven wingspan. Yeah. So you know he can play. You know you you look at a shooting guard and say, oh, he might be a little small for that position. But with his with his uh, length and his arms, you know he was able to defend at a really high level, and that again helps with his shot blocking, as you mentioned. Uh, but uh, his ability to be you know the number one option on an offense, a guy that in his prime, yeah, got to the free throw line on a very consistent basis, yeah. could post up, could hit the mid range. Another guy that, you know, can't shoot threes, but I think he did a good job of just not taking them. Right. You know, unlike the Charles and the Isaiah Thomas 
guys. You know, he knew that that wasn't his strength, so he just didn't do it. Right. Uh, terror in transition, and yeah, uh, you know, in, in that 06 finals, he was absolutely fantastic. Yes, he was benefited by a lot of calls in that series, got to the free throw line a ton. Right. Um, but, but you know, he put the pressure on the referees to make those calls, and he still, even despite that, uh, played brilliantly throughout. And, and really, you know, yes, Shaquille O'Neal was on that 06 Heat team, but he was he was a role player, I think, a really great role right. player at that point. Yeah. Uh, but it, he wasn't like a superstar or anything like that. He was a board, he was a borderline all-star caliber player. Right. Uh, a few years removed from the, the Lakers dynasty. Right. And it showed he's a little, you know, wasn't as in shape before. And, yeah. You know, in, his, in Shaq's prime with the Lakers, he was, you know, pretty much 28 and 12. Yeah. Uh, whereas with, you know, in that 06 season, I think he was... Uh, I don't have the stats offhand, but around 20 points and like 10 rebounds. You know, right. still really good, right. but not at that same level. Right. So it really was Dwayne Wade's team that he carried and, and took to the championship. Uh, you know, he, he took some teams, like when he got into his prime, I think in the late uh, 2000s, 2009, 2010, yeah. was really his peak. Uh, he took some a couple of Miami Heat teams prior to LeBron and Bosh coming to like 47 wins with really nobody. <laughs> right. You know, so he was a, a really fantastic player and, and his prime was really great. And, you know, he's done a good job, I think, of, you know, when LeBron came, he eventually, after that first year, you know, took a step back, became more of a role player, right. became a really good cutter off the ball. Right. Uh, and, you know, did a lot of those things that, uh, you know, even though he was still a guy that was capable of carrying a team. Uh, he took that uh, that number two role well, right. and uh, you know, uh, really has helped extend his career. And you know, he's he's nowhere near a All Star caliber player anymore, but still doing a solid job off the bench for the Cavs, even at age I think thirty five or thirty six. Right. And so longevity is definitely a factor there. And I wonder, uh, I I feel like you might, uh, just judging from your list so far, and just from our talks. I'm guessing you probably rank the longevity factor maybe a little higher than me, mm-hmm. and that's something I've struggled with with my list. Is yeah, I like oh, I really like this player and I like them in their prime more, but uh, this person's played a lot longer <laughs> and their stats are gonna you know what I mean, right? Um, and that is a factor. It's a very important thing that you know Bernard King's a great player like we said before, but. You know, he didn't play as many years as some of these other guys we're talking about. So right, yeah. Well, and that's why you know there's there's another guy on my honorable mention list. I don't know if he's on your list, uh, mm-hmm. Bill Walton. Yeah. Um, uh, but he's a guy that if I just had to pick, okay, one you get one season of this guy <laughs> at his best, he's top five maybe. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. But uh, you know, if uh, if you're talking about a career, you know, he only played, you know, a season and a half with. The Blazers really at a healthy and you know level, and then the one season as a sixth man on the Celtics in '86. Right. So, would you rather have two and a half seasons of Bill Walton or you know twenty seasons of Carl Malone? Right. I think there's there's no doubt that Bill Walton at his peak is a much superior player. Right. A far superior player, uh, but. Uh, Carl, you know, if if you asked any general manager, they would rather have the, the right. Carl Malone career. Right. You can get other pieces and just build around them and keep trying. And yeah, that's a uh, that's that's a tough one for me. But yeah, uh, Dwayne Wade at uh, where, where are we at right at, now? You were at, that was twenty for that you. Was number twenty. Uh, and, and speaking of Carl Malone, he's number nineteen for me. So, number nineteen. Okay. Yeah, just ahead of Charles. And yeah. again. That's where the interesting, mm. and Bill Simmons, you know, compared those two in his book. Right. I think that's where the interesting thing comes is, uh, you know, you might value Charles a little bit over Carl because his prime, you know, that 93 it Barkley was yeah. was better than any version of Malone. Right. But, but Malone was great, though, too. Malone was still a contributor, uh, you know, a starting caliber player on the 2004 Lakers. Right. You know, and he came into the league, I think, even earlier than Barkley did. If not, um, if not a ra- right around the same exact time, I, I th- can't remember. Yeah, he might have been the draft right before. Or yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. So you know, he's he's a productive player. You know, eight years <laughs> after Barkley is right. You know, so um, that's why I value Malone better. Even though, again, I don't think he was the guy type of guy that could be the best player on a championship team. I don't think he was that good. Right. But if you have. 16 years of him being a guy that could be the second best player, that's still oh, yeah. a darn good basketball player to have. Right. 
Oh yeah, I, I love Carl Malone. Honestly, uh, not as much as Charles personally, but again, <laughs> this isn't a, a favorites list. This is a you know who we think is the best, and that pick and roll duo with John Stockton and Carl Malone is, I mean, it's it's unstoppable. It, it's laughable sometimes when you're watching the defense try and you know guard it because they just had so many options, and both of those players were so good mm-hmm. that you know either of those players by themselves would have been great. But to have that combo and, yeah. you know, their strengths, you know, they complemented each other so well, um, it, it was incredible. He could shoot pretty well from, from the mid-range for a power forward, I thought. Yeah. Very, very strong. You know, he lifted weights. I think he was probably ahead of his time with that. Even though people in the 90s were lifting weights, this dude was very physically tough and strong. Yeah. And, and looked it. Um, there, I'm, I'm reminded of the time that he went after Isaiah Thomas. Um on a fast break, I think it was a retaliation thing, and he hit Isaiah, and the force that he was able to <laughs> to throw into there, not condoning hitting players, but yeah. I remember watching that and being like, oh my god, this guy is strong. Yes. It's, I wouldn't want to be in a, a fight with this guy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so, you know, Carl, he uh, he's a guy that, again... I think and you mentioned the John Stockton Malone combination and that was great and they had a lot of success uh, but I think the reason they weren't able to fully get over the hump and win a championship with those two being so good for so long is because both of those guys were kind of number 2 hmm. players on a championship team or even 3 like in that range as opposed to that I think both of them would have been better served if they had an elite guy next to them as opposed to another really good player. Right. Uh, and, and that's where I think both of them were, were you know, um, not able to do it. You know, whereas Scottie Pippen, you know, I think, again, I put Pippen a little bit lower than, uh, you know, than Carl, but in that same area where Scottie Pippen won a bunch of championships, but that's because he had that elite guy next to him. Right. As opposed to just another really good player. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so, okay, so that was my number 19. Who do you have at that spot? At number 19, I have Isaiah Thomas. Okay. So, we're we're still... Isaiah Thomas than, at 21. Yeah. yeah. So, other than the Jerry West and El- El- Elgin Baylor, we're still pretty close in mm-hmm. terms of our list, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Isaiah Thomas, one of my favorite players, um, which is odd because of how much hate him and uh, Michael Jordan had towards each other, uh, but... Yeah, loved him at point guard. He's one of my favorites. Um, Bad Boy Pistons. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we we talked about Isaiah, I think, enough already. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, go. Uh, who do you have at uh, 18, then? Okay, 18, I have Carl Malone. Oh, okay. All right? <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So, yeah, um, you have Carl Malone behind Charles, because I haven't heard you, you mention Charles yet. But, He's uh, coming up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next, next one, actually. Oh, okay. Um so yeah, I think that that's interesting too. That we uh, same as Bill Simmons, he had Carl and Charles like literally right next to each other on the right. list, and we both did as well. Because mm-hmm. I think yeah, the uh, you know again, despite the differences in their careers, I think uh, because they played around the same time, they both uh, played on that uh, dream team. Yeah. I think they're um, you know uh, basically they'll be forever linked together in that right. way. Um, okay, so you have Carl at 18. Um, my number 18 is Dr. J, Julius Irving. Okay. Yeah. Um, and in, in a similar way to what I mentioned with Jerry West, how he didn't have a left hand, that was very similar to what I thought of with Dr. J. Uh, he also, you know, didn't have a great jump shot either. I think that was kind of a weakness in his game as well. Uh, you know, obviously a terrific athlete, you know, the finishes, the highlight reel is crazy, you know, in the... The 80 finals where he's going behind the backboard and hitting oh, that yeah. reverse shot. You know, he's he's got all those highlight plays. Great transition player. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you let him go right, he was terrific at driving and finishing. Right. Uh, and, you know, despite the fact he didn't have a left hand, he did have a lot of unique ways of finishing with his right. Right. So he was able to mitigate that weakness at least a little bit uh, when he got to the rim. Yeah. No, totally. Um I, I love Dr. J. Like I said, I've, I've got him a little higher there. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, um, and maybe this is the, the fan in me, wishful thinking with some of these historical guys, that um, that they would be able to, to get their shots off and to still be able to go right, maybe through pick and rolls or whatever else, um, because that was still in an era with like hand checking, you know, and, and they're still able to get there. But I, that is a good point. You know, the 
uh, and that's been a tough thing with me on this list. Perimeter players nowadays unquestionably are have better ball handling skills. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving is a much better ball handler than Jerry West. That's yes. not a controversial <laughs> statement. Right. Um, so I think we do have to bring that into account looking at a Dr. J versus a more modern, you know, small forward. Um, if you can only use one hand, that could be a liability if the defense right. can cut that off. So yeah. Well, and, you know, he didn't have... And again, you know, my... I haven't watched Dr. J nearly as much as some of the other players, you know, yeah. even like guys in the 80s and stuff that, that played throughout the 80s and 90s. There's a ton of tape on those those right. guys where a lot of Dr. J's early career you can't even find. Right, especially um, with the ABA. They just right. don't have them, yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, you're trying to make this list, and it'd be nice if we were, you know, 90 years old and we could legitimately say we watched, uh, you know, we had season tickets to the, right. the, the Sixers and whatever. I watched George Mikan back <laughs> right. in the day. Or, right. Or 50s. Uh, you know, we could, uh, you know, we could have a legitimate chance of, of knowing and being very confident about all these picks. But, again, right. Dr. J, another guy, I've seen some of his stuff, uh, especially with the Sixers. Uh, but, you know, his early career, not too much. But okay. uh, from what I've seen with the Sixers, you know, he didn't have much of a post-up game either. Um, you know, he was mostly yeah. just a guy that would drive and play in transition, play off the ball, cut, you know, and just be a really good athlete. Pretty his, much. His skill level is what drops him down mm. as far as I'm concerned. I just didn't think his skill level was incredibly high. Okay. But yeah, still, still a really good, really great player. Right, right. Um, Anyone in our top twenty-five? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was number. That was eighteen for me. So who's okay. eighteen? For... Oh, and you, you had said Carl. So, Carl at so who's seventeen? Charles Barkley. Okay, seventeen. Charles Barkley is at seventeen. Okay, so I also have a power forward at that spot, and I have KG. So I okay. have Kevin Garnett a couple spots above Ooh. the likes of Barkley and Malone. And is that because of, of the defensive end? That's a big part of it, okay. yes. Uh, and I genuinely think, you know, prime Kevin Garnett, like 2004 Kevin Garnett with Minnesota, was, if not as good, really close to that 93 Barkley level. Really? Uh, he took a team with... A ve- uh, an aging Sam Cassell and Latrell Sprewell okay. to the Western Conference Finals and took the Lakers to six games. Hmm. And they lost game five in that series because Cassell was sick, I believe. Okay. He didn't play. And it was a 2-2 series, and they lost that game. You know, that's that's always the crucial game in a seven-game right. series, I think, when it's tied at two. Uh, but I think that 2004 version of Garnett was so good. Uh, he's one of the. That was one of the best seasons from a power forward that's ever that, okay. that has ever happened. And I think he has an edge in the longevity uh, over Barkley. You know, okay. he was still an effective player even in the 2012, 2013 seasons. His last year with Boston, and even Very true. his first year with Brooklyn. Uh, so you know, he had a pretty long, uh, you know, extended career, uh, and his prime was extremely high as well. And yes. The defense, being able to play and be not only a good defensive player, but he was a great defensive right. player, I think just puts him a bit above the likes of Barkley and Malone in my eyes. All good. Yeah, I, I, I respect that place. I need to definitely watch him a little bit more before I can like bump him up, though, uh, ahead of Carl and, and Charles just because I've watched him so much. Well, he was another guy, KG, that just had unbelievable intensity. Very the guy true. was... You know, there was no joking around with Kevin Garnett. He, uh, and I think that was something that sort of, uh, you know, uh, hurt his value. Well, you you could you could argue either way, but I thought it hurt his value a little bit as he got older. He just couldn't not give a hundred percent when he was on the floor. <laughs> you know, so by the time he was, you know, his last couple of years, he was playing like twenty minutes a game because he was he burnt out. You know, yeah. he he played so hard every single possession that he was exhausted after about five minutes. Right. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, early in his career with the energy and the stamina when he's younger, he could give that kind of energy and, you know, and stay on the floor for an extended period of time. But certainly one of the best competitors and one of the most intense players you'll ever see. Definitely. Okay, so uh, now we're down to number 16. Let's hear what you got. Uh, at 16, I have Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor, okay. Yeah. Um, 
And we already talked about him before a little yeah. bit there um, at uh, 16. Okay, so at 16, I have Dwayne Wade. So okay. we're, we're covering a lot of the same ground. But um, uh, give me a few reasons why you, you have Elgin Baylor a little bit higher than, than I do. Um, well, I mean, like I said before, I... I I still have faith that some of these older guys were smart enough to get their shots, and I I feel like with that era where everything's so packed in and you don't have everything spread out, you know, it might be sometimes harder to get to the basket. But like you're saying, with whoever's defending them, that might be that might equal out a little bit. Yeah, know, in terms of how tough it is to well, get that, in there. That's a good point. You know, I mentioned Jerry West and how. The way defense is played and packed in the paint, he could walk into eighteen foot jumpers. You know that made it. You know for a guy like Elgin Baylor, who was an athlete and tried to get to the basket and all that, the right. packed paint would make it tougher for him. So the fact that he had success, yeah, in that time period, yeah. I think is a plus. Yeah, like I'm thinking of. There's like a famous, or I I think it's famous. It's on the Wilt Chamberlain archive on on uh, YouTube, of, and it's Elgin Baylor driving to the basket and dunking on Bill Russell. Um, at a time when I don't think people dunked as often, you know, um, no, he was a great player. Uh, I'm trying to remember what his points per game were in his highest scoring season. I want to say it was like 38 yeah, per game. Yeah, he scored quite a lot. Something yeah. unreal. And I get the pace of the game was different back then, but, um, him and Jerry West was a, a great combination back in the day. So, well, and again, you know, the whole idea of not being able to see Elgin Baylor, I think hurts my ability to to truly rank him in totally. a way that I feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if he would have, um, even if he would have played, you know, a couple extra seasons and gotten into the 70s with that 72 Lakers team, you know, I've seen little highlights at least of them. Okay. Uh, you know, and, yeah, maybe if I saw Elgin, I, that would change my mind. Maybe I'd just be blown away <laughs> with how great of an athlete he was. But and, and that's what a lot of people say is this guy was just a nuclear athlete at that right. time and uh, unlike anything they'd ever seen before. Uh, but yeah, that's certainly a good pick. And again, I, I mentioned I had Dwayne Wade at 16, which, right. which we talked a lot about. Um, so now we're into the top 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go with my number 15, totally. and I have Dirk Nowitzki. All right, uh, so there he we'll, is. We didn't talk much about him previously, so we'll get into that more now. Yeah. So um, the, the thing with Dirk for me is the guy, uh, you know, is the greatest shooting big man ever. Okay. Uh, I don't think that's really even a question. I think that's yeah. pretty <laughs> that's pretty straightforward. Uh he he um you know basically with his shooting coach, I forget his name, but from Germany, uh he basically um turned his uh shot into a science project and you know focused on the exact trajectory that, you know, the ball has the height that it has to get to be, you know, have the best percentage chance of going in the basket or getting friendly rolls and how much, you know, you should put your legs, how much you should jump into the shot to get, you know, all of those things they broke down and yeah. really made it so that it, and it's one of the prettiest looking jumpers you'll ever see. Uh, you know, watching Dirk shoot a jump shot is, is still one of my favorite things. I'll still watch the terrible Dallas Mavericks uh, <laughs> just, just for him because yeah. I enjoy him so much. Uh, but uh, you know, he also sort of uh, um, revolutionized the way you could play offense in terms of, you know, you look at the big men that were dominant, like with Kareem and Hakeem and Shaq, you know, it was a focus on get them the ball in the post, the double comes from there, right. you pass it around. Uh, but, you know, once defenses were able to, you know, once the three-second rule defense changed, it became a legal defense and all those sorts of things. Uh, or sorry, it went from a legal defense to the defense of three seconds. Right, you were able to double more effectively and then move around and and cover all of those things. Uh, but uh, the way Dirk played made it so difficult to double team because he was a guy that would catch the ball at about eighteen to twenty feet from the basket straight away. And mm. Paul Pierce did this a little bit too. Uh, um, uh, but. You know, he was such a good shooter, and he could shoot right over, uh, especially a smaller defender, that teams, you know, weren't comfortable just giving him a 20-foot contested jumper. You know, and once you're not comfortable giving that up, and you have to send doubles, he now, being at the, you know, straight on, has the sight of all four of his shooters. You know, both guys in the corner, both guys on the wing, or you even have a center down low that he could pass to, uh... But he could see every pass and where exactly the help was coming from to make an instant pass that would lead directly to a shot. 
And that was so difficult to stop. And even though, you know, we talked about that 2011 finals where the Mavericks beat, uh, you know, a Miami Heat team that we thought were was more talented. Uh, paper, yeah. You know, Dirk, that whole postseason was just unstoppable because he had, you know, early in his career there were question marks about whether he could score over smaller players. You know, you could put like a shooting guard on him and he could get down and try and stop and prevent him from driving and that sort of thing. And he wasn't as comfortable shooting over the top and posting up those guys. But okay. once he got that down, there there wasn't really anything you could do, you know. Yeah. You would you would set a Dirk would set a, a, a pick and pop at the top of the key and if you switched it, you know, he would then have a small guy, you'd throw it to him and he'd have the isolation. Right. Uh, and if you didn't switch it, you know, the, the point guard could either get to the basket or he'd have a pick and pop three. You know, he, he just presented so many problems to defenses. And even at 38 or 39, however old he is now, right. uh, even still. though he's a horrible defensive player because he can't move, <laughs> right. he's still a really effective offensive player right? just because of how good of a shooter he is at his size and the fact that he can shoot over guys with contests. Uh, he, he revolutionized the way offensive basketball could be played, and there hasn't really been anybody like him. Very true, yeah. Um, I... I think about him a lot when I see this new class of, of, of big men that are, you know, not only, you know, pretty athletic, but people that are pulling up from pretty deep on a consistent basis. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he was, you know, like the sign of things to come and mm-hmm. what we're going to see going forward, even more of you yeah. know, seven footers that are able to shoot like that. And yeah. Well, you look like a, at a guy like Kristaps Porzingis for right. the Knicks, a guy at seven three is even taller and he's more athletic than Prime Dirk. Right. You know, his shot obviously isn't there yet, and he hasn't, um, you know, uh, developed the passing and all of that stuff uh, uh, nearly at Dirk's levels, but he's a guy that, yeah, you could see as being um, a guy that could get to that level, and yeah, you, you've probably got a lot of, especially international players that, that watch Dirk as kids and now are learning from him, and big guys, yes, are stepping out and taking more and more threes. Right. Um, the other thing with Dirk that I think, uh, you know, gets overlooked is, uh, you know, for a good portion of his career, he was a really good rebounder as well. Uh, you know, he was never a, I would say, he was never even an average defensive player, but at his athletic peak, he was at least passable on the defensive end. Right. Um, and, you know, such a great offensive player and a really good rebounder that, you know, that uh, the defense didn't really hurt him that much. Right. Okay, so that's uh, that's my number 15. Uh, who do you have at that spot? Let's see. Number 15 is where I've got Dr. J. Okay. Yep. Um, and again, I he's one of my favorites. He's my dad's favorite player, so I've watched a lot of um, clips from the ABA and, and, you know, more prime Dr. J instead of just the older, you know, um, early 80s version of him. But, um, yeah, great player. I, we've talked about him a little bit before. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're down to 14. Who do you have at that spot? Uh, Moses Malone. Okay. Yeah. So I have him at 13. So at 13. we're pretty, pretty similar on Moses. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Why Why do you have him so high? Um, Bill Simmons has him right around that area. Right around that well. same area. I think I, I maybe moved him down a little bit from... Um, actually, no, I... Let's see, Moses on Bill Simmons' list, I think, is actually at uh, the 13th spot. So I moved him down a little bit. Um, great rebounder um, in his prime, a great scorer. I think he was just a, a great talent mm-hmm. um, overall in, in the in the NBA in terms of basketball. Um, I think he's one of the best centers to ever play. And I really, I think I'm old school in that I really like great big men on my team. Yeah, you know that that was the old way of thinking that in order to win a championship, you had to have a dominant big guy inside. And uh, in recent times, we've kind of faded away from that, and we've gone more from the, you know, dominant perimeter players, um, or like a LeBron James, just a freak who's all over the place and can do everything. Um, but yeah, I, I really like him, and obviously the fo 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 Sixers team I think is arguably one of the the best teams um, that we've seen. Um, I don't think it's the best, but I thought it was a, a really good team, and he was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and you have Dr. J and Moses right around the same area. Right. Um, whereas, you know, 
Obviously, Dr. J got close. He made the 77 finals, lost to the Blazers. Uh, you know, uh, I think made the finals in 80 and 82 as well. And then it wasn't until Moses came and joined the team that, you know, Dr. J was able to get over the hump. And I think it was a little bit, you know, that was more of Moses' team and Dr. J was kind of the mm. second okay. uh, second piece of that pie. Um, but yes, I, I love Moses as well. Again, I have him at 13, just one spot higher. Yeah. Um, but yes, his rebounding, even, even later in his career, I think, uh, you know, he ended up playing on Atlanta when he was in his mid to late thirties Okay. and he averaged, I think, uh, you know, double digit rebounds, even as he was, you know, a lot older. Uh, so the guy was just, you know, one of the greatest rebounders ever. And yes, uh, you know, a guy that... Uh, you know, was a really good offensive player as well. Very strong. Right. Uh, you really couldn't move him. He could push you around as well. Uh, and he took a, a Houston Rocket team in '81 to the championship. Uh, and they, oh, well, not right. not to win it, but the right. NBA Finals and right. lost to the Celtics. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, with with really a you know, again another one of those teams that didn't have a secondary stud. Uh, so a guy that can, you know, take a team that far. Uh, you know, is, you know, is pretty valuable in my eyes. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so my 14, I have John Haflicek. Okay, yeah. So, do you have him higher or not on your list? Or? I actually, he was one of the people that I didn't put on the list. Okay. Um, so, you know, in the same way you were very surprised about me with Jerry West, Jerry West. I'm very surprised about this. Right, um, and, and I think that's... As I'm thinking about it now with Jerry West, that's the it's it's tough with that. I think John Havlicek was was a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think he was he was amazing. But uh, I I don't know when in my head when I was comparing him against some of these other people, I didn't have them him quite as high. I think he's close though. Yeah, I'd probably have him as one of those next spots um, behind right. uh, that 25th. But yeah, talk about John Havlicek. Right okay, right, so I mean. Uh... You know, he came in uh, right off the bat and was playing for those that Celtics dynasty right. in the mid to late 60s. He was a part of all those championship teams. Uh, he was a guy that very quickly, you know, slid into that number two or three best player on that team role, right. along with, you know, Bill Russell and Sam Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, was, uh, you know, obviously had a lot of success. And then I think the part that, you know, really puts him high up on my books is the fact that even after Russell retired, he had a really great stretch with the Celtics in the 70s, okay. where he won championships in 74 and 76 yeah. as really, I guess, the co-best player with Dave Cowens right. on those Celtics teams. Uh, so, you know, um, in the same way, I, I uh, you know, had Dwayne Wade really high for, you know, having that early run, right. uh, you know, as the main guy on those Heat teams with Shaq. Yeah, uh, you know, and then later having being the number two or whatever guy with LeBron and having success, I kind of views Havlicek in a similar light where you know he was that number two or three option with the two great teams of the the Celtics in the '60s, and then was able to be the number one guy really on those '70s teams. Right. Uh, so you know, another guy that's ha- that had a really long and uh, productive career. Totally, totally. Um, really good scorer as well, and a guy that could shoot the basketball. They also, I think. Um, you know, from what I've read, most people say in terms of his stamina, right, uh, was one of the greatest guys in terms of just playing hard all the time and just could could play a ton of minutes and play all day, run around all day, and people would just be like, "How's this guy have this energy?" Right. right. Oh yeah. No, I think he was. I, I think he was great. I feel like, and maybe I just haven't watched him enough, but like, uh, even even compared to like a Jerry West, I just have. You know, someone like that a little bit higher on that list mm-hmm. for me. Um, but I, I, as I said before we started, like this list is my list as of today, yeah. which very much could change <laughs> even by the end of the conversation. Um, but he was a person. Bob Cousy is another person on on my list that um, I ended up having to, for me, to take off the list. Yeah, but I think he's in my honorable mentions as right. well. Yeah. I, and I think you know George Mikan's of the world. I think there there have been some impactful great players for their time mm-hmm. i'm not sure their skills would have translated um that they would have been as good as they were back in the day um i'm sure john havlicek would would be able to play today and be effective today 
just like everyone else on our list. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, had him a little bit lower. That's interesting, though. That was part one of our two-part series on our top 25 players of all time. Thank you so much for listening. With next week's episode, we will take you from number 13 all the way down to number one. So stay tuned for that. For Anthony Brown, I am Garrett Bouguet. Have a good night, everybody. Leftovers or... The DMV Number 97 or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.